I powered my phone off as I turned my truck onto a forest road in the Montana wilderness. I didn't want to look at it. I didn't want to feel that dreadful buzz indicating a new message. I didn't even want to think about Nat, my Nat, who had just that morning said she had been thinking about us getting a divorce out of nowhere. I didn't see any warning signs that she had been unhappy. I told her that. She said that was the whole problem and maybe I proved her point further by storming out, but I needed to clear my head and be away from her. I had driven nearly two hours from our house without any idea where I was going. I pulled the truck off the side of the road and shut off the engine. I had left in a hurry, but luckily, I always kept spare hiking clothes in my truck. Hiking was my favorite activity and always helped me calm down and deal with anxiety. I slipped on cargo pants, wool socks, and my boots. I grabbed a small bag full of water and protein bars and pulled it over my shoulder. I was hardly thinking ahead at this point, but at least I had the wherewithal to bring food and water. But the most important thing I brought was something I didn't even think about at the time, a foldable hunting knife in the back pocket of my cargo pants. The thought arose to leave my phone in the car, but I knew it would be a bad idea to go without it. With a growing sadness, I thought about turning the phone on and seeing if Nat had called. Instead, I just held it in my hand. My face staring back from the blackness of the screen startled me. I looked hopelessly sad and pathetic. Thrusting the phone into my pocket, I set off into the forest without any sense of where I was heading. I moved into the embrace of the pine trees stretching toward the sky. I tried to breathe in their beauty, but Nat was in the forefront of my mind. I started to jog, my feet pounding on the thick forest debris of pine cones and branches. Then I started to sprint. My heart raced and I gasped, inhaling the dry air. Still, I kept sprinting. I would run Nat out of my head, fuck her. I breathed heavily, fuck her divorce. Dry coughs erupted from my lungs. Slowing down, I arrived at a clearing next to a large river. The endorphins were kicking in and my anxiety eased. I sat down on a large boulder and drank a bottle of water from my bag. Then I pulled out and ate a protein bar. The beauty of the landscape found its way inside me. The rushing river, metal larks hoping and singing among the trees, a mountain standing in the near distance. I smiled. Deciding to go for a dip, I stripped my clothes off and found a portion of the river that flowed slowly. I jumped in. My bones became ice and my whole body clenched. I screamed with boyish delight and paddled around for a while. When the shivering became too much, I pulled myself onto the dry land and laid my refreshed body down on the boulder. As the sun's warmth filled my front, an equal warmth from the boulder flowed into my back. I laughed and looked down at my young, healthy body. I was fit, I was handsome. So what if Nat wanted a divorce? I could find another girl easily, and I wouldn't make the mistake of marrying her this time. Or maybe I would just hop from girl to girl, little commitment. The second they made things difficult, I would just move on to the next one, easy. After drying in the sun, I put my clothes back on and reached into my bag to grab another energy bar. I moved my hand all around the inside, but couldn't find any. In frustration, I dumped the contents of the bag onto the ground. 
Two plastic water bottles fell onto the earth, along with a crumpled piece of paper. I picked up the piece of paper and unfurled it. There were charcoal scribbles covering the paper, like a child pretending to write something. I turned and surveyed the area. There was no one around me. And if someone had stolen from my bag, why would they leave the water? I stared at the paper longer and decided it was something my nephew had stuffed in the bag long ago when he had been visiting with my sister. And as for the missing bars, well, I hadn't really given attention to the contents of the bag when I left in a hurry. There must not have been any more. I swung the bag over my shoulders and continued onward, following the river. I reached a steep hill and decided to climb to the top and see what kind of view I could find. I struggled up to the peak, but I didn't stop to catch my breath. The burning sensation throughout my body was a welcome distraction. My mind was clearing up and all my marital problems were falling behind. They couldn't keep up with me. The view was grand at the top, trees, peaks, and valleys as far as I could see. I smiled and enjoyed the breeze that rushed along the top of the ridge. I noted in the distance, a small cabin on the edge of a clearing. I looked at it and imagined myself living out there, not a care in the world, living off the land. What a life that would be. I carefully trotted down the hill as the dirt shifted beneath me. Reaching the base, I continued to the right along the river. Something was watching me. I felt a gaze boring into the back of my head. I pivoted on my feet and looked behind me. Nothing. With paranoia, I looked up around the treetops as if an assassin were crouching in them, waiting to strike. But I still found nothing. I refused to head back just yet. If I decided to return to my truck, it would be because I was good and ready, not because I was frightened by unseen forces. The tranquil song of the river calmed me as I continued onward. I came across a small grove of aspens. I paused. Nat and I had sat on a lake surrounded with aspens on our first date. We had sprawled out on a blanket and gazed at the stars. She told me aspen trees were her favorite. She loved the way the leaves turned radiant gold in autumn. And I watched her lips as she said this, and I leaned in close. I shook my head and rushed onward, putting the trees and Nat behind me. My steps became more forceful as I tried to shake the memories loose. I didn't care about stupid trees. I didn't care about Nat. I didn't care about any, I fell forward onto my face. I tried to pick myself up. Something was wrong. My left foot felt heavy and warm. I turned and almost laughed with fear. I had stepped into a metal animal trap. The jagged teeth bit into my leg near the calf. My brain and body were having trouble processing the sudden change. I didn't feel any pain yet. I just sat there and stared. Then the pain came. It felt like fire spreading up my leg. I stifled a scream and started to pry the metal jaws of the trap apart. They didn't budge. The base of the contraption had something that confused me. There was a lock on the trap. Why was there a lock on the trap? An animal wouldn't be able to pry the trap open. The mechanism had been designed so that when the jaws of the trap came close enough together, the lock would slide into place. I brushed my finger along the keyhole for a moment, as if touching it 
would make the situation less upsetting. I noticed the blood for the first time. It painted the metal trap red, giving it the look of a ferocious beast. From the looks of it, no vital artery had been pierced. The blood came out slow. It was painful, but I wasn't going to die any second from blood loss. I took the metal chain attached to the trap in my hands and followed it. I hoped to find a stake in the earth that I could uproot, but instead the chain itself went into the dirt. I pulled with as much strength as I could gather, but it didn't budge. My phone. I had my phone on me and I knew it would still have charge because I turned it off before setting out on my hike. I pulled the phone from my pocket and turned it on. The top of my phone read, no service. I cursed and raised the phone above my head and in every position I could imagine. It didn't help. I dialed 911 anyway. It didn't go through. Without thinking, I opened my text chat with Nat. There was nothing new, obviously, and I turned the phone off and tucked it away. Panic started to set in as I saw the sun setting. My breath thickened. I looked around frantically and started to shout, Help! Help! Is there anyone there? I shouted until my voice was hoarse and collapsed onto the ground. The sun had set. Luckily, it was a warm night. I started to come to terms with the fact that I would have to spend the night out here and see if someone would come this way in the morning. Crunching came from the bushes to my side. Hello? I called into the dark. There was no answer. Something was moving. Its eyes reflected the moonlight as it emerged. Cat eyes, big cat eyes. A mountain lion stepped out into the open. A low growl rolled in the depth of its throat. I was frozen in fear, my mouth slightly ajar. That was it then. I was dead. I couldn't run. Not that it would have helped anyway. The mountain lion let out a loud and terrible shriek that broke the quiet night. It shrieked multiple times, then paced back and forth. It moved to an area a little bit away from me and laid down. There, it sat on its paws and started licking itself. For a while, I was in full fight or flight mode waiting for it to tear me apart at any moment. But it didn't, it just sat there. Finally, I lowered my guard and set my back against a tree. I was woozy, I hadn't eaten, and I had lost a bit of blood. I wanted to just fall asleep, but I found myself staring at the aspen grove in the distance. It was aglow with silver moonlight. I was transfixed. In the wake of the terror of the day, the shimmering grove was a welcome reprieve of beauty. I don't know how long I had been staring when she emerged, like a ghost or a spirit of the forest. She came in a flowing white dress that glowed like the moon. It was Nat. Nat! I shouted. You're here! How did you find me? Well, never mind. You have to go get help. I'm stuck and bleeding. Why did you run away, Todd? She asked her voice surprisingly calm for the situation. What? Nat, I need help. We can talk later, but why do you always run away? The way she accentuated always sent a shiver down my spine. She stepped to the edge of the aspen grove, near to where the mountain lion lay. The cat didn't acknowledge her. Well, Todd, she said, you can't run now. Nat, what is going on? Why won't you help me? 
And then realization struck. I was hallucinating. Do you love me, Todd? Do you even love anything? No, just one girl after the other, right? That's what you thought earlier. No commitment, just easy fun. Bail the second it gets hard. A girl like her, or her. As she said this, other beautiful women emerged from behind the Aspens. They all wore white dresses. And what are we to you? They all spoke in unison. Just meat, empty bodies to be used, and our hearts discarded. Nat materialized a dagger and plunged it into her breast. She cut across, her dress turning crimson. She reached into the wound and pulled something meaty out. Her heart, it was still beating. Here it is, Todd, Nat said. Should I save us both some trouble and just toss it now? I screamed and buried my face in my hands. You're not real, I shouted. This isn't real, this isn't real. When I finally had enough courage to peek through my fingers, I saw that Nat and the other girls were gone. The grove was still. The mountain lion, however, remained. It stood up and shrieked a few more times, then sat back down. In a few minutes, I heard something strange in the distance. Someone was yodeling. I wanted to call out, but feared it might be another hallucination. The whimsical sound drew closer. At last, an old man appeared before me. His clothes were dirty, and his beard was long and unkempt. He was holding a shotgun in his hand. He approached the mountain lion and began petting it. It purred. Thanks for calling me, he said to the cat. His voice sounded like a prospector from an old television program. It sounded happy and childish. Are you real? I asked. Real as butter, he said, and <laughs> laughed a loony laugh. I warned you not to come here, but you didn't listen, hmm? What? This is the first time I've ever even met you, I said, confused. I left a note for you, in your pack while you was swimming. A note? You mean that crumpled piece of paper with scribbles? That was you? Sure was. I never learned to write good. Listen, I began desperately. I'm sorry if I'm trespassing or something, but you have to help me. Get this thing off me and I will leave. Leave? He asked and scratched his head. Why would I want you to leave? I've caught you. Built that lock myself. Didn't think that lock was for bears, did you? You mean you set this trap to catch? I couldn't finish the sentence. That's right, he said excitedly. People! I set these traps to catch them people that wander too close to my cabin. If you're on my property, I reckon you belong to me. I always give them a fair warning, though. Fair warning? I asked incredulously. That note was just scribbles. You didn't warn me about shit. You just stole my food. Oh, I do thank you for that. No need for the water. Got plenty of water out here. But that candy you had, oh boy. Never get any of that. Mama always said it would rot my teeth. Maybe she was right. He smiled wide revealing only five teeth in total. They were all as yellow as gold. <laughs> he laughed. Please, I begged. Let me go. They always beg. Don't change nothing though. You're coming with me. You try to fight me and you become Kitty's new play toy. He nodded toward the mountain lion. 
I'm gonna unlock you now, he said. And you're gonna follow me to my cabin. It'll be your new home. As I leaned away from him, I felt something hard in my pocket. The hunting knife. I pulled it out in secret. What are you going to do to me? I asked. Whatever I want. (laughs) The old man said and laughed again. He bent over and put a key into the lock. Relief filled me as the trap released. My leg freed. In one motion, I plunged the knife into his neck and pulled it back out. Thick blood pulsed from the wound. He stumbled back and I grabbed the shotgun as he clutched his neck. The mountain lion was already on its feet, ready to pounce. I aimed the gun and pulled the trigger. Fury rung into the night and the beast collapsed, half its face blown off. The crazy old man was on the ground. Poor kitty, he said. Then he laughed and laughed and laughed. The laughter turned to choking. The choking turned to silence. I stumbled through the night. The only place I could think of going was up the hill. My leg screamed with pain and I moved forward like a zombie. Halfway up, I checked my phone. I had service. I called 911 and someone answered. Please, I barely managed. I need help in the forest, lost. I fell unconscious. When I awoke, I was in a brightly lit hospital. Nat, the real Nat, was clutching my hand. You're awake, she said through tears. She leaned in and kissed my cheek, then buried her face into my pillow. She wept softly. It was infected, she whispered. It was too late when they found you. They had to amputate. I moved the bed sheets and saw that my left leg ended just below the knee. I held Nat tight. I'm going to fight for you, Nat. She looked me in the eyes. No more running, I said. I couldn't even if I wanted to. I laughed and gestured to my leg. She laughed too, and she kissed me. We lay together on that hospital bed, and there was nowhere in the world I wanted to be more. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy these stories, Be sure to subscribe to the podcast and check out some more of my episodes here.